and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, when aliens arrive. That's correct, when aliens arrive. Or maybe we should say, when aliens arrived, as in past tense. Because we have multiple accounts, eyewitness accounts, stories, records of aliens actually showing up in person, in the flesh, whatever you want to call it. Now, I found an interesting little uh, documentary. It's on YouTube. I think it's called In the Basement. Uh, Quest, I believe, is the, the, the title of it. It's put out by, I think it's put out by either the Washington Post or the New York Post. I can't remember. But they do some good work on there. Uh, Nick Pope's on there with another fellow. I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now. But they, they talk about a lot of different UFO cases, and they take a pretty conservative look at things in general. But they did, uh, in this particular episode, they talked about uh, four different cases where people uh, actually cited aliens. And I think in three of those cases, you had actually had uh, multiple uh, sightings of the uh, ET aliens. And they go into the detail a bit and talk about some of the common themes that run through those sightings. Before I get into that, I just wanted to mention... I've been kind of following Tucker Carlson a little bit. He's really been doing some pretty decent work on the whole UFO disclosure thing. And I saw that Fox has posted a little uh, blurb in relation to his uh, documentary series that he's putting out on their pay-per-view stuff. But it says, Tucker Carlson Originals discovers shocking revelations about UFO activity on Fox Nation. Now, some of this stuff uh, is probably not shocking to people like myself or yourself, if you're listening to this program, because you already... Your level of trust it just isn't there uh, with the powers that be as far as UFO disclosure goes. We already know that we've been lied to for at least 70 years, probably a lot longer. We already know that the government has uh, repeatedly covered up eyewitness accounts and evidence of UFOs, everything from UFO sightings, alien sightings, alien abductions, cattle mutilations, the whole thing. They want to cover it up. They want to be in control of the narrative. They want to be in control of the information. So we're not surprised at all when this stuff is uh, when we're lied to. It says, in the latest installment of Fox Nation's Tucker Carlson Originals, host Tucker Carlson speaks with a renowned theoretical physicist, a former UK ministry investigator, and a government eyewitness to get answers about evidence on UFOs. And I will say, Tucker's not going too far outside the bounds. He's talking to a lot of the same folks. Nick Pope, who I like, uh, Louis Elizondo, we all know Louis's backstory with with uh, ATIP and with uh, the Academy to the Stars, and, and quite frankly, in my opinion, the very sketchy way that those videos were released. Some a lot of a lot of folks look at look at Louis Elizondo is still part of the, the deep state uh, infrastructure that wants to control the knowledge around the UFO phenomenon. And then also uh, uh, the the physicist, um, Mr. Icocca here, and an interesting guy. He's getting quite up in years now. It says, uh, in June, the office of the office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report confirming that the United States military has investigated nearly 150 credible and unexplainable UFO encounters. Well, if you looked over the report, like most of us have by now, we find that these encounters are pretty much all just stuff that was seen from a great distance away. Some of it was filmed by uh, by military uh, Air Force, Navy pilots. 
but there's nothing in there about cattle mutilations, uh, nothing in there about uh, the abduction phenomena or missing people, the real meat and potatoes, the real dark side of the UFO phenomena. It's really not touched on. It says, quote, the strategic questions with UFOs are what we are dealing with. What are their capabilities and what is their intention, said Nick Pope, a former investigator for the UK military defense. Up until this point, the U.S. government has failed to publicly answer these questions. One of Carlson's highly knowledgeable highly knowledgeable sources even confirmed that there are credible reports the U.S. government and its contractors have obtained materials from these unidentified objects. Now, we've known this for a while. Uh, Tom DeLong has come out and straight up said that they have uh, in their possession uh, metamaterial, so leftover stuff from UFO crashes. And uh, I, I just, I don't doubt this because, you know, so many times when you hear about the men in black showing up, it wouldn't be that hard for people with a lot of resources, or especially someone with the U.S. government, to go to these uh, crash sites such as Roswell or the one in Aurora, Texas that we're going to talk about here in a minute, and collect any evidence that happened to be there. It says, There seems to be an attraction to anything and everything nuclear, said John Greenwald of theblackbolt.com. According to Greenwald, many of the reports occurred within close proximity of military testing areas, many of which were former testing sites of nuclear weapons in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. The Washington Examiner's Tom Rogan asserted that it's understood within the Pentagon, the intelligence community, and members of Congress that there is a connection between nuclear weapons, reactors, and these true unknown UFOs. This is even more disturbing when we think about the uh, incursion of what they call drones that happened down in, uh, I want to say, New Mexico. At the, at the, was it the Palo Verde, the big nuclear site down there? If you remember, I think it was last year sometime. And it just was ignored. The, the guards on staff reported the situation to the security and basically we're told, hey, leave us alone. This is third shift. Call us in the morning. You remember that. So if they're concerned about it, they're not concerned at the ground level. That's clear. It goes on and says, throughout the decades, the government's willingness to even admit the existence of UFOs, much less provide documentation of them, was non-existent. This all changed in early 2021 when the Navy declassified footage of some of their closest encounters with the UFOs. For the first time, we have videotape which we can measure the characteristics of these objects. So this is now real science, said theoretical physicist and author Michi Kaku. Kaku viewed footage taken from a DHS patrol plane which showed a five-foot-long object moving at over 100 miles an hour off the coast of Puerto Rico. The physicist noted that the unidentified object was effortlessly moving in and out of water, something U.S. aircraft and missiles cannot do. The stresses would be enough to rip metal apart, said Kako. There you go. We have this thing on videotape with a DHS, a government, air, a government camera, you know, videos this thing moving in and out of water. But it's, the evidence is ignored. You know, other than Tucker Carlson, who's talking about it? Meanwhile, last week, I think it was, uh, the Washington Post printed uh, editorial of why UFOs don't exist. It was, it was one of the most stupid, imbecilic pieces I've read in, 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 in months. They persist in their ignorance and in their denial. 
when you had the video evidence right here. It says this object that we see on the video can do what we think no Chinese, no Russian, or no U.S. hypersonic drone can execute, said Kaku. They break the sound barrier with no sonic boom. They can hit the ocean and not break apart. Okay, let's get something straight about the Russians and the Chinese and their military capabilities, okay? Yes, they have nuclear bombs. Yes, they could start a world-ending war. That's correct. But their technology, as far as this machine technology of being able to move at high speeds and what, what these UFOs are doing, it's light years ahead of these people. The Chinese are so far behind us. For one thing, they don't even have the intellectual capacity to create the chips that we use in our everyday appliances and our vehicles and our computers. Okay? In case you don't realize it, I think it takes 16 or 24 people, it's like a team of people, to create one of these chips. They're layered. One these computers. It takes that much expertise. One person can't do it alone. And it's too complicated for the Chinese to copy and paste. They don't have, they're, they're not there yet. And they'll probably never get there with their crap CCP government. Same with the Russians. You know, Putin, the likable gangster. They're not going to get there. No one's going to build the intellectual capacity. No one's going to build the companies that you need when it can be taken over at any minute by a, by a Russian mobster, basically. So those two countries do not have do not have the capacity to make anything near this. A Chinese aircraft carrier has that funky-looking deck that the planes fly off of. It points up in the air. And that's because they haven't figured out yet how to, cult, how to catapult their fighter jets off of the aircraft carriers at a high enough speed. Think about that. The Chinese are incapable of building an aircraft carrier. That's 10% of what we're, what we're building. They're nothing compared to us, okay? Same thing with the Soviet Union. One aircraft carrier. What fuel does it run on? It runs on it runs on junk waste fuel. Okay, it's a joke. It is a frigging joke. So other than their nuclear capabilities, which is real, their military, Chinese and Russia, is a joke compared to the U.S. So don't think for a second that they are the ones responsible for this UFO stuff, and the Chinese especially. How long would it take these monsters? to take over the world if they had that kind of capability. I mean, they release this COVID virus on the world and think nothing of it. Okay? That's what you're dealing with. Every day these bullies are attacking Taiwan or trying to invade India. The CCP is insane. If they had UFO-level technology, you and I would have already been eliminated. Understand this. So that whole argument that, well, these things could be some foreign power on Earth. No, not hardly. It says, the objects that we see on video can do what we, what we think. No Chinese, no Russian, or no U.S. hypersonic drone can execute, said Kaku. They break the sound barrier with no sonic boom. They can hit the ocean and not break apart. Despite the multitude of swirling questions, Carlson said, we can be sure of one thing. The human body cannot tolerate more than 5G's gravitational force for any period of time. We can say for certain there was not a human being aboard the object they were recording, concluded Carlson. Well, that's that's pretty clear. I mean, when people, when people uh, perish in a car accident, 
frequently, it's just the impact wave that kills them. I mean, not to get too far into this, but if you know people that are EMTs or law enforcement, they can tell you plenty of wrecks where somebody where somebody was killed, and there wasn't any any uh, discernible wound upon them. It was just that energy wave that went through them. I and mean, once you get to a certain speed, you know, 70, 80 mile an hour, and you come to a sudden impact, that's enough. So imagine traveling along at two, three, four, or 500 mile an hour, or thousands of miles per hour, some of these objects travel, and to do the things that they're doing. It's just nothing that any kind of biological creature could withstand. But yet, we're told repeatedly that they don't exist. We're told we're, they insinuate to us that these things are drones. It's just lies upon lies upon lies. I'm glad that Carl's getting into, or that Carlson's getting into it a little bit. It's it, it. He does bring some. He does bring some light to it, and maybe bring some people into the conversation that wouldn't have really considered the possibility of the UFO phenomena. Now, getting back to the um, video that I linked to at the website ufowarning.com and while you're there if you want to support the program you can hit the donate button at the bottom of the page it helps or you can go to um, the anchor website and become a patron that also helps a big shout out to the folks that already do that now they talked about four different cases basically the aurora texas case that happened back in the late 1890s um, they talked about the Monty uh, Zamora case that happened, uh, I believe, in the very early 1960s, late 50s. Uh, they talked about the Zimbabwe case with the school children and John Mack. And then they just touched on the case with the Barney and Betty Hill. So I just want to take a look at the first three cases just briefly. We've talked about these cases in the past, but it's always fun to go back and, and review them because they're all just such a rich source of information. Now, this first case is one of my favorites, actually. And this is what a case that happened in Aurora, Texas, where people reported seeing uh, uh, alien spacecraft crash into a windmill. Uh, the occupant was found inside dead, and they reportedly buried the occupant there in the local graveyard. Now, the real weird part of that story is the fact that people have tried multiple times to dig up that grave and examine the remains uh, to no avail. <clears throat> Supposedly, uh, I think a couple years ago, somebody did get permission to dig up a grave site near there, but it was inconclusive. You know how that goes. And there was a lot of thought that, that it appeared, some people think, that whatever was there had already been moved years before. Now it says, The Mystery of the Lost Alien Grave of Aurora. This article is by Brent Swanser. It can be found on MysteriousUniverse.org. Over the years, there have on occasion appeared remarkable and sensational stories of UFO crashes in which the bodies of the occupants have been captured or otherwise obtained by shady government forces. Undoubtedly, the most well-known of these is the case of Roswell, New Mexico. But while this may be one of the most ingrained in popular culture, there are more other obscure reports as well. One of these supposedly occurred in a small backwater town in Texas, where a strange visitor would purportedly come from some other realm to crash and find his final resting place in a crude grave that has been lost and remains a mystery to this day. The setting for this bizarre story comes amid a UFO flap that was sweeping the nation at the time from between the years 1896 and 1897. 
This is a period where uh, multiple people claim to have spotted these airships. We talked about this in the past. Some outlandish stories were starting <clears throat> starting to make these headlines, beginning in California and working their way east. There began to be reported numerous accounts of what some were described as mysterious metallic cigar-shaped airships appearing in the skies, said to be slow-moving and with powerful spotlights that could pierce the night with great precision. The report's remarkable because this was an era before airplanes, when even balloons and blimps were not a particularly common sight in the skies. Of these regions, so for so many people to suddenly start reporting giant mystery airships of an unknown design was cause for a great concern, making the news on a regular basis. The town that would be visited by one of these these ships was the small rural farming town of Aurora, Texas. This was an unassuming place that would normally be just another dusty town out in the Badlands. Nothing remarkable about it or particularly special. A place one could pass right on by without really noticing yet. According to the Dallas Morning News on April 15, 1897, one of these mysterious ships allegedly appeared to come sailing down out of the sky to go floating over to the center of town. This would have been an otherworldly, awe-inspiring sight to begin with, but things would apparently get more spectacular. Still, when the ship meandered off and seemed to experience some sort of mechanical difficulties, purportedly colliding with the windmill on the rural property of Judge J.S. Proctor and causing a terrific explosion that wrecked the windmill, a water tank, and the airship, sending debris raining down everywhere. When their wreckage was investigated by stunned locals, they apparently found that much of the debris was strange light material none of them had ever seen before, like a mixture of aluminum and silver. Now, uh, if you watch the uh, History Channel's UFO Hunters, they talk about this. There also was, was so I know that there was a piece of metal that was recovered, and the strange thing about it was that they, it, this metal has been analyzed, and it's an aluminum uh, iron alloy, but it's missing what commonly would be there, which is copper. So apparently when you have the aluminum iron alloy mix, you normally have a little bit of copper in it. This didn't have anything. And remember, uh, it takes an incredible amount of energy to uh, create aluminum from the aluminum ore. So aluminum would have been a very expensive, uncommon metal in 1897. It really didn't become common until we had large uh, power plants where we could create this stuff at. So just the fact that it was aluminum at all is very strange. But it goes on here, it says um, it talks about it was described as a petite, I'm talking about the, the, the pilot of the craft now, it was described as a petite humanoid figure and called a Martian with the report stating its appearance while his remains are badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. On the creature's person were supposedly sheets of paper-like material upon which were scrawled some sort of strange symbols, like hieroglyphs, the meaning of which was, an enigmatic as, was as enigmatic as a pilot and this weird ship. So now there seemed to be an actual crashed mystery ship in an alien body. So what did the locals do? Well, according to the tale, they tossed their wreckage into an old well, sealed it off, and then had the tiny alien given a Christian burial in the nearby Aurora Cemetery in a grave with a small, unassuming headstone. Now, this was, of course, in 18... 
97, 96, newspapers at the time ran with the story, and before long it was being talked about all over the place, while curiosity seekers came to town to see the area and a cemetery for themselves. So we can tell from the report here that a lot of people knew about this, and a lot of people knew where the alien was buried. So having said that, it wouldn't seem to be that much of a stretch for uh, even in 1896-97 for the U.S. Government, government to be able to send a team down there to extract that alien body. It goes on, it says, As amazing as all this was at the time, it all, it all sort of faded away and became sort of an obscure historical oddity for decades. The location of the grave forgotten until the account was picked up by UFO enthusiasts. The case quickly became popular with the UFO hunting crowd in later years, with many investigations of the claims launched over the years. One of the first of these was carried out by Bill Case, an aviation writer for the Dallas Times-Herald and the Texas State Director of MUFON, who interviewed surviving witnesses and checked out the cemetery. He would claim in 1973 to have found the gravesite of what he believed to be the alien's grave. Not much more than a rock, really, small in size and half-broken, carrying what appeared to be part of an etching of a saucer-shaped structure. Using a metal detector, it was determined that there seemed to be large metal pieces buried down there in the ground, and the excited investigator tried to get permission from the city to exhume the grave with no success. Making the story more bizarre was that he would claim that upon his next visit, the metal pieces had seemingly disappeared, possibly moved by someone. Not only after this, the gravestone itself was stolen, and the location of the body lost once more. So you can kind of see what happens when these things are discovered. It seems as though they so oftentimes fall down the rabbit hole. Now, I want to take another look at another case that that, uh, that they go over here. Um, the Monty Zamora case. Just give me a second to get to this. And this, this was a very interesting case, I think, because, of course, Monty Zamora was a police officer. Uh, a real stand-up guy, by all accounts. Wasn't looking to become famous or anything like that. But then uh, he happens to have this UFO sighting. And not only this, this, this UFO sighting involved uh, the UFO actually leaving uh, marks where it landed at. Uh, and also uh, him seeing uh, aliens at the site with the UFO. It's almost as if they were um, trying to repair their craft. Uh, working, he called them size child. Child-sized uh, aliens. Okay, so here it says one of the strongest UFO cases, and you can find this on uh, unknownboundaries.com. Unknownboundaries.com by Chet Dimbeck. It was posted March 18, 2021. Fairly recent article. It says one of the strongest UFO cases of the, of the third kind ever recorded was that of Sergeant Lonnie Zamora's April 24, 1964 sighting of an egg-shaped UFO sitting in the middle of the desert near Sorora, New Mexico, with two child-sized aliens in white coveralls standing near it. This is another weird thing. A lot of times these things are spotted in what people uh, people describe as coveralls, like a one-piece outfit. It says, when one of the beings spotted Zamora nearby observing them, they quickly returned to their white ship 
with the strange red insignia and took off, quickly achieving a high rate of speed and disappearing into the horizon. It's pretty obvious they didn't want to be seen. While many have tried to debunk the Lonnie Zamora UFO case over the years, including a recent theory presented in 2009 that he was the victim of, engine, of an engineering student's prank, close scrutiny of recently released FBI documents and other corroborating source witnesses strongly backs Zamora's original story. After revisiting this case, I found that both the FBI and Air Force thoroughly investigated the Zamora case. In 2017, the FBI released documents on the case as a result of a 1976 FOIA request made by prominent ufologist Dr. Bruce McAbee. The FBI, and I think if you recognize that name, you'll know that Dr. Bruce McAbee does seem to be a real reputable guy. I think he's the one that did a lot of video investigative work, taking pictures and videos and being able to look at these things and see if they're faked or being able to really bring out what's in them. The FBI report backs up Zamora's credibility and the thoroughness of his eyewitness testimony, but there are three FBI documents that confirm the fact that just two days after Zamora's sightings of a landed oval UFO near Sirocco, a similar craft was sighted, landed just 194 miles north of Sirocco by an eyewitness living in La Madria, New Mexico. So there you go. We have what would have been just a, a single person sighting. Now we're talking about a mass sighting. We have multiple eyewitnesses. The name of the witness is redacted, but he told the FBI that while visiting his father, he went to calm down some noisy horses around 1 a.m. when he spotted a large object like a buff, like a butane tank, about 300 feet from the house. Also similar to the Sirocco incident, the FBI reported on the. La Madera case that the witnesses reporting a blue-white flame associated with the object, four rectangular V-shaped landing marks, and several circular marks about four inches in diameter. Now, some think that the circular marks, I've read a lot of folks that think these are actually the foot tracks left by the aliens. And now, it goes ahead and has an actual report here. Like I said, you can go to the website ufowarning.com ufowarning.com and you can link to this article and look at the report for yourself it's fascinating it says in addition to this fbi report there are various cooperating witnesses that back some more sighting several independent witnesses reported an egg-shaped craft or a bluish flame about the same time in the same area within minutes of Zamora's encounter. This is before forward of the incident had spread so you see this isn't a case where people uh, heard about the story uh, on television or radio. Remember, it's 1964, no internet, and then just decided that they wanted to be part of the part of the story. This is organically coming to light, and just now, you know, 60 years later, we're hearing from the FBI. Oh yeah, by the way, there was multiple sightings of the same craft. Yeah, we got two other people on tape. They were concerned about it enough that they reported it to the FBI. Wow. So it's kind of hard to assassinate one person's character when you have two other two other reliable eyewitnesses that unbeknownst to them, they knew nothing about Monty Zamora's case. They didn't about that. But they reported seeing the same thing. Three independent eyewitness verified accounts. So if he tells me that, yeah, I saw a couple of small P-51 
people there. And the thing was, he wasn't looking for aliens. He he talked, I guess, to somebody from NASA. His thought was, well, maybe maybe NASA had built this smallish drone and they needed they needed small people. Yes, yes, yes. The tribe of small people. They're out there. These tiny little people that are three and a half, four foot tall. And God love them. I know we have little people in the world, but I don't think that they're lined up to go to work on NASA's experimental spacecraft programs. And this guy, this this uh, engineer from NASA or whatever, he informed uh, Zamora from what I read that no, there was no there was no project like that going on. No explanation for what he saw. There's no explanation for this giant butane circular slash UFO coming out of the sky and landing. Apparently it was having some kind of mechanical problem. It had been in the neighborhood for two or three days. But what I find interesting out of the whole thing was these small, child-sized aliens, just like we have with Aurora, Texas. They described it as a child-sized alien. Now, I'm not going to go and read the whole article, but you can link to it at the website, ufowarning.com. And they also talk about, uh, in the video, covers the case uh, in Zimbabwe, where the, the school children uh, had the UFO encounter. Uh, some of the kids got pretty close to it. Some of the kids were away from it. But uh, uh, several of the kids, I think it was like 15 or 20, actually saw uh, aliens there. Some of the kids, I, I read one description, which was new to me, and somebody had put up that they'd heard, they'd heard secondhand that they were one of the school children. They didn't personally see the aliens, but they said that one of the kids had reported seeing black, small black men with hair on their back. The, uh, most of the kids reported seeing aliens, what we would uh, look like today as a typical gray. Uh, small, child size, smaller than the kids, or as a side, I mean, you were talking about kids in third, fourth, fifth grade, I guess, and the aliens were smaller than them for the most part. With large heads, large eyes, they, that and they claimed that the uh, aliens spoke to them telepathically through the eyes. When they made eye when they made eye contact with them, that's when they could pick up these telepathic thoughts. Uh, the whole thing was about uh, it, it was a whole environmental thing. You know, you got to save the earth, that sort of thing, which is kind of a kind of a strange theme to me. I mean, you came all the way here to also save the earth, but. This, once again, all three of these cases, we have uh, up-close descriptions of aliens. In all three cases, they're described as being uh, child size. That's four foot or less. In all three cases, uh, large, or at least two of the cases, large heads, large eyes. And in the case in Zimbabwe, uh, the telepathic communication. So you're starting to see commonalities in what people find with these things. Um, it's interesting to see these different these different encounters that happen over the course of 160 years, but you or over 60 years with from from 1900 to 1990, say almost a hundred year span, but you see the same sorts of things uh, popping up. Now, what we don't see is we don't see this we don't see aliens just popping up by themselves. They always seem to be associated with some sort of craft. And it seems like normally they don't want to get too far away from that craft. So we, it's almost like we maybe we have to assume that the craft is what gets them here. Now, how they could get this far and then be having problems with this thing. You know, why they come outside of the craft, what they're doing outside of it, if they're trying to fix it, if they're trying to take samples of stuff, just what they're doing, we don't know. But these cases, to me, 
are far more interesting than any of the cases talked about in the Pentagon UFO report. You can kind of see the difference, what's going on here. And I like the fact that Tucker Carlson is is really calling the Pentagon out on, on basically the fake news that they've released. Okay, But when you get right down to it, the big reveals that we're seeing from guys like Louis Elizondo or any, any of the other uh, big-time names in UFO, they're just scratching the surface. Okay, They're nothing in compared to the revelations that we can uncover in cases like with Monty Zamora or where the kids in Zimbabwe had this mass UFO sighting where they actually said they communicated with the aliens. These are the kinds of cases that we need to have... Uh, resources spent on to uncover what's happening because this is where I think that we'll get closer to the truth than anywhere. Seeing a UFO, having an experience of, of, of seeing one of these things is interesting, I mean, but what's going to really uh, bring us knowledge about what's happening here is the creatures inside these machines, okay? The machine itself is one thing, but if there are actually aliens within those machines, that's 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 the nut to crack right there as far as I'm concerned. But all these are very interesting cases. Like I said, you can go to the website ufowarning.com. You can click on the links there, and it's it's a rabbit hole. It seems like the deeper you go, the deeper you are. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.